0: We'll
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. This is the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I've kind of changed the name, guys, because we have so many things going on right now. we got all these different podcasts about to release a bunch of new articles coming out. It is an exciting time here at the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Uh, Joining me to cover the AFC East is Bobby and Tyler. Thank you guys for coming on with me today. Guys, I'm doing a lot of different shows. Uh, we're writing a lot of different articles. We're about to release some of those articles that we have football that's just been hanging around the fantasyimpacttoday.com website. We're about to release some more of those out to the public, make sure that they can know where we are and all those things. And all these, all these articles, all these different podcasts are going on probably just because there's so many sports going on at the same time right now. We've got so many different worlds colliding. We got Major League Baseball. We got the NBA and NFL is always in the news, and it seems like the NFL is always breaking news nowadays. And especially even here in the AFC East, like we're going to cover tonight with all the different positional players. We don't cover defenses right now, just because it's we're not into IDP. If we were in, I, I would go crazy if we were in IDP, guys. I, I don't. It's too much information going in my brain. So many of those New England Patriot defensive players, they're walking
2: away right now, right? They're not injured. Right. No, that's a bunch of guys just opting out for the season due to the coronavirus.
0: And I, I think it's not just necessarily the coronavirus, but it's, uh, we, we see what struggles that baseball is having and the NFL hasn't really done anything to quell any fears about what are we going to do to keep this from happening to our players? Do we do an NBA style bubble or do we just, You know, go and let things happen organically. They just make their decision on, on what they got. And a lot of these these young players. I mean, not necessarily that Dante Hightower per per se is one of the youngest, but he's first time dad and doesn't want to jeopardize his his family. One of the
1: huge differences is, you know, NBA has got everybody in a bubble. Says, hey, you have to stay in this area here. I I don't, I don't know how big the area is. I suppose there's a lot of things to do there though. Major League Baseball can social distance even while playing a little bit, right? But they still have to travel from city to city, and we see all the problems that's uh, happening with the Miami Marlins team. In the NFL, not only are they not going to be in a bubble, they're going to have to travel from city to city, but they can't social distance while they're playing. They they get closer than me and my wife whenever we go to bed, uh, you know, (laughs) sleeping or anything those those players are are all over each other constantly could you imagine being and it seems like a lot of linemen are the ones that are opting out yeah. and they're just you know they're right there in each other's faces and they're huffing they're puffing you know they're spitting you know they're just because cuz they're warrior kind of people and they're just they're just kind of going mad it seems like at times whenever they're hitting each other that much it's impossible to social distance unless of course you're a quarterback and you can't even come near them because you can't get touched or else you're going to get a 15-yard penalty on them. But it's impossible.
2: You're right. And that's a big deal because, you know, the NBA kind of gave us hope for sports, but they were, they told their players that, look, you've only got to do this for a few weeks. We'll just put you in a bubble. You won't be able to talk to anybody, go anywhere, have family, but it's only for a short amount of time. And baseball was the first sport to really come along and try it without the possibility of a bubble because of how long the season is. And now all the NFL players are seeing what's happening with specifically the Miami Marlins, and they don't want that to be with them because they imagine them taking that home to their families, I assume.
1: You guys made fun of me on the last episode for talking about my NBA, the NBA that I grew up with, the one that is fantastic that everybody goes to YouTube and watch because of all the fights and everything that break out. Nowadays, one of the things that make me upset about the NBA is the lack of defense that is able to be played because of the different kinds of penalties or, or, or fouls that are called nowadays. If we thought there was no defense before, in the COVID era, there is going to be absolutely no defense because they're not going to want to touch each other. They're not going to want to be on each other, you know, and with the arm in the back, it's, it's going to be really different looking. It's, there's going to be some take the overs. For all you betting people out there listening to Fantasy Impact today, take the overs.
0: I think you're right. I, I watched, uh, went back and watched the uh, Last Dance documentary because I didn't get the, a chance to watch it on ESPN as it was broadcast. And just to, to be reminded of how the, uh, the, the game was played in the 80s and the 90s and how much it's changed just blows my mind still just you know yes it's 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 great entertainment but there's so much missing there's so much missing with the defensive uh aspect kind of being diminished somewhat
1: there was a book that i read once it was called loose balls i can't remember who wrote it it was, it was called loose balls it was about the old nba or the aba one of those way back when leagues fellas they needed in the early nba years When it was first the, you know, the George Mikan eras and stuff like that, they needed a penalty box. Like in hockey, there were so many fights. And I'm telling you, it was bench clearing brawls the way this book made it sound anyway. Uh, but that was one of, that was one of my favorite books that I've ever read. I got it from the library actually and, and read it. It probably took me six months to read and I got all kinds of late fees and fines, but I read that book. That's a good book. Hey, let's talk about the exciting world of the AFC East, especially the tight ends in the AFC East. This is so exciting. I, uh, If there were crickets in the room, they'd probably be cricketing at this point. But okay. any of these tight ends look better than a late round flyer to you?
0: No. If there was just one that I said would say there is a chance that I would take him before round 10, that would probably be uh, Mike Tosicki. Mm-hmm. I like his, his ability. He's going to have targets, whether it's from Tua or from Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's going to have some targets. Uh, what he does with them is just a question. Uh, 6.4 yards per target. It's a fairly, fairly decent ratio. Yards per reception It's 11.2. So there's some decent numbers and there's some, there's some opportunity with either quarterback. I think there's better opportunity with Tua than, than uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, but we, we don't know when we're going to see Tua.
1: I agree with you on that, and I've been trying to think about that because I, I can't see Fitzpatrick lasting the entire year healthy, first of all. Let me say that. Took a lot of sacks, all those things. We'll get into quarterbacks here in a little while. So I've been thinking, of when Tua goes there, who is going to be the receiver to own? And the other receivers for the Dolphins kind of look like big play threats, like a little bit deeper downfield things. He got a lot bigger A dots and stuff. And I don't see a lot of receivers playing that down low game that you and I, all of us who have watched to a play. Yes, he can throw the ball deep, but man, he loves to throw them slant routes. You know, he, he, lo- if, if his college game transitions to the NFL a little bit, it seems like he loves to lead the guy open. And that's what the scouts were going crazy over too on was his accuracy, the way be, the way he was able to put it in a window. And I think his yards after the catch is going to be huge. Uh, back to Jasicki real quick, his catch percentage was like a 57.3. For my tight end, I, I'd love to see those high 70s, even the 80s possibly for a tight end. It seems like such a, a low pick catch percentage.
0: The other thing to think about with the with that stat is zero mm-hmm. drops. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily his catch percentage that he's dropping the ball. Is it? Is, is it? Is it accurate? Is it an accurate pass to him?
1: Well, that's I, you trusting my my ability to put the numbers in the right column. It looks like a zero to me too, but who knows what? I, I, sometimes I start doing these uh, spreadsheets that we have these little cheat sheets. And I look back at it and there's some crazy numbers on here at different times. I think that uh, s- somebody has 244 passing touchdowns. Sam Darnold may have 244 passing touchdowns on my sheet. So we got, we got to always take these numbers with a little grain of salt, but I think that that was accurate. His strength of schedule though, as well, 24th in the regular season, 25th in the playoffs. That, that's, it just scares me a little bit. Uh, he did finish 11th among tight ends last season. He's not really being drafted. There is no ADP to go for him because it just is, he's not on the board too high. So, yes, Bobby, I think that he could be one of those late-round flyers. Tyler, what happened to the tight ends in New England? There, there are no tight ends in New England anymore.
2: No. I mean, you know, for a while there, I think it was just Rob Gronkowski was thought of as the tight end in New England. And... He was still he was kind of like that Travis Kelsey where he really just played receiver. He was just so much bigger than everybody that he wasn't your your traditional tight end. He was just he was a receiver, and so now without him, they haven't tried to replace him. It seems like with any big name tight ends, now they seem to have tried to load up a little bit on wide receivers. At least their depth chart is loaded up. Whether or not it's talented, there are people on the list. So we'll see. Maybe they're trying to hide that tight end deficiency with extra wide receivers.
1: The New England Patriots' strength of schedule for tight ends is 16th during the regular season, first in the playoffs. Now, this is going to change a lot because of all the COVID stuff and everything, but all we can do right now is base our decisions upon what the facts that we have in front of us. So it's possible, possible to look for a sleeper like that. And let's remember one thing. Who was Cam Newton's favorite target in Carolina all those years?
2: Greg Olson. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So a chance to take some kind of look at a tight end for New England. I don't know what Bill Belichick's up to. He's got everybody on that team that has any kind of name whatsoever opting out of their uh, year 2020 because of COVID reasons. I don't know if he's trying to go for uh, sunshine out of Clemson. You know, if he's trying to get the number one draft, I don't know what Bill is doing. The Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN. I cannot wait for the New England Patriot documentary. That is going to be juicy stuff, must-see television. All right, so we got to go to Buffalo. And before we do that, let me ask you guys this. We've got four teams in the AFC East. Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins. When you have looked at this offensive side of the board anyway on these cheat sheets, and you kind of get to break it down a little bit more, who do you guys favor to win this division? We could take the Jets out of it, right? We're, we're just going to say, not the Jets.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Jets are probably in the last place.
1: And I know we look at the Dolphins and we go, maybe, you know, maybe because they're changing everything. We got the two glasses on too because we're down here in Alabama. So we go, but New England, don't, does it I mean, one of those two teams, Buffalo or Miami, they got their best shot this year, don't they?
2: Better than their last few years, that's for sure. Hmm. I think when I think of a team trying to win in a division like this, it almost makes me think, you know, the 49ers last year had success with a average offense and a spectacular defense. The Buffalo Bills really started showing a very solid defense last year. And I think their offense is still pretty mediocre at best. I mean, maybe Josh Allen makes a big step this year and helps carry the team but their defense is actually a pretty solid defense. So you're talking about just winning the division? I think the Bills could have a chance to at least make a play for it.
0: Yeah, I would I would actually give them above-average marks on, on offense. With fresh legs at running back, with uh, Stephon uh, Diggs coming over as uh, their new number one wide receiver, if Josh Allen can make... Even a, the smallest drive forward, they have um, more than great shot to win the division with that defense.
1: All right. So then Dawson Knox fits into the calcula- uh, calculations somewhere among tight ends. I'm not sure where. Once again, late round flyer at best. Last year, he only had 50 targets. That's not a lot of targets. And I know he was hurt some of the year and all, and he was a rookie last season, Uh, Still only 28 receptions, 388 receiving yards, a great yards per reception at 13.9. But once again, catch percentage down at 56. And Bobby, like you said, the drops. He had 10 drops last season, which is very high, which is very high whenever we look at drops and drop percentages. And then you look at his strength of schedule, guys. 28th in the regular season, 32nd in the playoffs. He's being drafted 29th at the position, 141st overall. Uh, I don't know. Dawson Knox is not somebody I'm going to wait around for. If he's there, maybe I'll take him. But I'm probably not waiting around for him.
0: I I would hope that he would be uh, somebody I could stream later down the road if he's got a good matchup with that kind of of stats and that
2: kind of uh, schedule. definitely be a streamer for me. I think the moral of the story here is look to other divisions for your tight end needs.
1: <laughs> now, there's now there's one team, though, that has me kind of confused. The New York Jets, for m- many reasons, but I, I'm kind of looking right now as I look at their stats and everything, I kind of look like Adam Gay sitting at the podium that day whenever he got introduced as the Jets head coach. Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin are their tight ends. I fell for the old hoop to dupe last season with Chris Herndon owning Chris Herndon everywhere. Carried him around to my injured reserve all year long, and then when he finally was had, him, ha- when he had a chance to play, he went on the injured reserve again and bowed out for the whole season. I don't know what happened with the Chris Herndon train last season. It just wrecked for me. Ryan Griffin, I think, became a tight end that um Sam Darnold liked to go to during the year. Mm-hmm. Who do you guys want to own? Chris Herndon, or Ryan Griffin in New York?
2: I still think Chris Herndon is a talented player, enough where he could become fantasy relevant, but if I get to choose, I'm choosing neither still.
0: Okay,
1: that's fair.
0: Just to choose between the two of them, I would probably have to go with Griffin, Uh, just because of, like you said, the familiarity. And... The lack of a, a entry proneness, I guess you could say. Uh, if Herndon has been injured and injured and injured, if he's not coming out a hundred percent, and there's still questions, I'm going to have to go with with the backup. But once again, these two guys are not going to be somebody I'm going to be drafting. They're going to be coming off the waiver wire onto my team and then dropped probably the next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chris Hernan's 2018 numbers were really good whenever he made an impact in the fantasy world. But uh, to me, Ryan Griffin was just the guy that, that Sam Darnold could count on. And he had an 82.9% catch percentage. That's really good. And that's where I want my tight end to be. Hey, tight ends don't, don't, don't play that far from the ball, you know, from the line of scrimmage. It seems a little bit easier pitching and catching that thing. And if you catch that many touchdowns from Sam Darnold, he's going to be looking for you. And that's, I'd say he caught five touchdowns from Darnold last season in, in about 13 games on only 41 targets. So obviously he looks for him down there in the red zone. You're listening to the Fantasy Impact Today uh, Network. This is the Fantasy Impact Today podcast. You can find us on Twitter at today with a little underscore at the end of it. You can email the show, Today at yahoo.com, or you can visit us on the web i think it's just fantasyimpacttoday.com you have to put a yahoo uh, tim asked me last week if we could just if people could just email the show and i like on the on the website and i don't know if you can do that or not i know there's many ways you can get in touch with us because you can also leave a review whatever podcast platform you listen to us on if you go to anchor fm i believe there is a way to leave a voice message that might be able to be played on the air if you have a question for us and that's pretty cool I was I was hitting the little button to try and make a little voice recording, and I was going to do all kinds of different voices and get like calls from, uh, you know, different different places in the universe, maybe not universe, the world. Like I was going to start practicing universe. my accents. Yeah, Mark could do the universe one because he does that little beep boop pop thing. <laughs> he does. Let me ask you guys this, because Bobby, you are uh, looking into doing the card collecting thing and, and maybe doing some breaks. See, I've been I've been practicing. Uh, of packages open and, and it's pretty cool. It's very relaxing whenever I watch. It's like having an aquarium in your bedroom and you just hear the little bubbles and you get to watch the little fishes swim around. It's just very relaxing watching people break open the the seals of the different baseball or basketball cards. Where can they find you on Twitter, Bobby? You notice how I got real calm. My voice got very calm.
0: At Foster Fantasy is my uh, Twitter page, Twitter handle. Um, you can... Uh find me there. I'm looking to uh, start that up maybe within the month or so, uh, sometime during August. There's not a lot of new card sets coming out, uh, new releases. Uh, that'd be a good time. Um, and not just breaks, but maybe talk about what's going on in card collecting, uh, why uh, you're not finding anything on the shelf at Walmart or Target, and uh, ways you can uh, start getting cards even though that The retail stuff is is hard to find.
2: I'm sure
1: it's like this everywhere, but I'm talking about my, my, my hometown in particular, where I live. Tyler, I think that you and I should do our own little card expedition and start going to garage sales on like Saturday. Surely there's a bunch of people that have cards just piled all over the place. Maybe I'll do my own little card show, Bobby, where I'm breaking open old cardboard boxes that have got baseball cards and everything in there and doing reveals out of the out of the old dusty cases that'd be pretty fun
0: you could do that you could do uh um flea market flea market uh you can find tables at flea markets nowadays that you know people are selling cases of old yeah. 85 tops or 82 Donruss or something for for cheap and just trying to get rid of it and
1: flea markets are fun. It's like going to the carnival. If you go to a flea market, it's like going to a carnival whenever it's, you know, pile everybody into the pickup truck and pay $10 to get into the carnival. Every time when you go to the flea market, you never know what you're going to be able to see for sale, but you also don't know what you're going to see walking around either. So that's always fun. Always fun. And Tyler, you're starting basketball stuff up for us uh, on this Fantasy Impact Today Network. And I I am excited about that because my NBA suggestion of having a tournament like the March Madness tournament going on is about to kick off. When Wendy, you're planning on doing that?
2: I'm hoping to start it sometime next week. The guy I'm bringing in is my basketball expert, a.k.a. he played just one level above me for a few years. He will be freed up at the beginning of next week, and we're hoping to get something recorded. It looks like right after the basketball season starts. So we've been watching all the preseason games, seeing all the rookies, young guys, some of the people you didn't get to see during the regular season that were debuted during the scrimmages. And now we're hoping that they will get to play in the real games and we'll see what they look like in real competition, full time, full minutes, see how the teams use them.
1: Who who's that big tall guy? Bull Bowl? Is that his name? Bull Bull. I I never heard of it before. I saw it on Twitter, and he seemed like a Minute Bull kind of a character, but far more agile. He's
2: he's a very interesting guy because yes, he's very agile. He he can actually handle the ball very well. He still has his downsides as a big man, you know, it's smaller guys are always gonna be a little bit quicker than him. But he was a guy who came out of Oregon and At Oregon, he showed lots of promise. He was shooting the three, handling the ball. He could play a few positions, three, four, five, depending on what kind of lineup you went with. And as we saw, the Denver Nuggets seem to have gotten creative with their lineups, but he was someone who couldn't seem to avoid the injury. And, you know, every time we see these guys who come in at seven plus seven foot plus, whatever it is, seven, two, seven, four, seven, six, however tall these guys are. They always seem like they could be the greatest thing basketball's ever seen because there's absolutely no one who could match up with their size. Mm -hmm. But their bodies just can't hold up to the the length of the game, the length of the season, whatever it is. Those tall guys seem to be more injury prone. And that's what happened to him. I really hope that doesn't happen to him in the NBA. I would love to get to see him play a long career and us be able to talk about him on fantasy for years to come. But we'll see.
1: Every division that we've talked about in shows past, and you should go back and listen to all the breakdowns. We've already broke down every team in the NFC, uh, now we moved on to the AFC, and it seemed like there were so many wide receivers to go around. In this division, not so much. I, I didn't see a whole bunch of them that I was just drooling over. like um, Some of the other teams that we have already covered, three, four different ones that we have in this division, not so much. So guys, I'm going to pretend for a minute. Let's, let's all go into the offensive huddle for New England. Okay. And we're down in there and we're, we're all playing. Bobby, you could be a lineman. Tyler, you, you can be, uh, Rex Burkhead. You pretend that you're Rex Burkhead. Oh, gosh. And I'm going to be a Julian Edelman because I just like his attitude. Okay. So I'm going to be Julian Edelman. And you know what we hear in the huddle every time? One, one, one. That's what Cam Newton does whenever he gets condol- – <laughs> especially if it's inside the five-yard line. That's when he starts yelling out. That's his audible, one, 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 because, of course, he wears the number one, and he, he loves to run it into the end zone. But I don't blame him now because outside of Julian Edelman, who is he going to pass the ball to? There, there's nobody else to pass. And I hear the Nikhil Harry, Harrys, and I hear those people. I know the Muhammad's and news, but there is nobody on this team for him. I I don't know what's going on in New England. Uh, what do you guys think about that receiving core?
0: I'm with you. I don't think there's necessarily a goal line guy, unless once again you're going to jump into the tight ends uh, near the goal line. Nikhil Harry. You know, we don't know what to expect from him. He's still trying to find his place in the offense. We've got Marquise Lee coming in, and he's he's shown some potential. But, of course, you know, you can't show much potential when you have the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks throwing to you. So maybe maybe there's a, there's a fourth uh, name to look at there with uh, Marquise Lee coming in.
2: Now, I think it's interesting. You know, Muhammad Sanu, he's... He's getting up there in age for football purposes. Julian Edelman as well. Julian Edelman looks like he's 34 years old now. And so you'd think time's starting to catch up with them. Mohamed Sanu still has great hands. He may not be as quick or as fast, as good of a route runner as he used to be, but he's still got great hands. So he'll be able to make catches. And this you remember, he played in the same division as Cam Newton over there with the Falcons. So Cam saw him quite often. So he at least knows. What he's like. Now he didn't have to watch a lot of film on him. Because mostly he was watching the Falcons defense. But he saw him. He was on the field. He could see him. So I think that's someone who could really come up as like a. Reliable target for him. But the most interesting thing to me is. When Cam Newton signed. With the Patriots. And finally got cleared. The first workout we saw at least. Was with Nikhil Harry. And now this is a guy. Nikhil Harry was a highly drafted guy. First round pick. First ever first round pick for the Patriots under Bill Belichick. And so he was a guy who had a lot of hype coming in and then injuries. And of course, trying to squeeze into Brady's inner circle in your first season doesn't usually happen that quickly, but he's a guy who's going to have a lot to prove this season as well. And so to see Cam Newton coming out immediately targeting him as the guy he wants to go work out with shows that maybe Cam wants to start like a new thing. You know, Cam Newton's the new quarterback. Nikhil Harry's going to be the new wide receiver. And when you know Nikhil Harry's talented, that's why they drafted him first round. So maybe this becomes the guy that Cam Newton goes after. I think he'd be worth a speculative ad.
1: I find it funny, and I know you well, and I know you're an Auburn fan. That's right. That you said Cam Newton saw somebody else on the field. Cam, <laughs> Cam Newton was looking for the mirror on no, no, the no, sideline.
2: No. Did you not hear his most recent comments? He said he's done being humble. So I mean, at the time he was humble. So during his humble time, he was looking out at other people in the field. But now, now he's he's ready to be humble.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Um, he he was looking at the big screens, trying to find himself on the big screen to see if he was on. You know, wrapped up in a towel and all that. Uh, I give Cam a tough time. Uh, not, I just don't know what he's going to be able to do in New England. The thing I think about when I think about that wide receiving core. And you brought it up a little bit, Bobby, when you said the Jacksonville Jaguars throwing to Marquise Lee, so how can he show himself? Some of these players, you know, the top three players, anyway Edelman, Sanu, and Harry, they all had the greatest quarterback, maybe of our generation, throwing to them. And it didn't produce all that much. When you go Cam Newton over Tom Brady, that's a little bit of a downgrade, especially when you look at this offense that had such, I mean, they, Tom Brady had such a great handle on this offense. It's it, I'm staying away from a lot of these guys, and they have so many good names that are potential breakouts. It wouldn't surprise me if they surprised me. But at the same time, I can't draft them on my fantasy team. Their strength of schedule for the wide receiving core at New England, 27th in the regular season, 25th in the playoffs another red flag, and that's all I have are little red flags by all these people's names. So if we work our way down the list a little bit here, we're going to save the best for last, but let's move over to the New York Jets wide receiving core. Because they added <laughs> Rashard Perriman, they lost Robbie Anderson, of course, and they got uh, still the perennial favorite there, Jameson Crowder. They also, what did they draft Denzel Mims? Didn't they draft him out of Baylor? Yes. <laughs> so uh, out of these guys, who are you looking to own? Are Are you looking to go out and get any of those four players?
0: I'm not going to say that I'm out to to pick them up, but if somebody drops to me in a late late round and I need to fill out my bench, then it's a possibility. Uh, I would I would grab probably Mims before anybody else. Um, just just for the. The big playability, the only downside for Mims is he does drop the ball a good bit. Um, he's, he's got some problems with, with some stone hands, just a little bit, especially at, at Baylor and some of the, um, in some of the tight games, uh, he did have some huge games and he could, he could score at any given time. So hopefully some of that will translate into the NFL and some of it will be left in college.
2: Rashad Perriman is just a guy that, you know, he's been, last year he was at the Bucks, and we know that Chris Godwin has his official breakout last year after starting to break out the year before, so we know that he wasn't at the top of the pecking order in Tampa Bay. So this, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of options here in New York. This gives him a chance. Maybe he comes out and shows that I'm not expecting him to be wide receiver one in fantasy, but I could see him becoming a solid flex play depending on how Sam Darnold improves. I actually think Sam Darnold will improve this year and hopefully for the sake of New York wide receivers, he will improve. And I think someone like Rashad Behrman could really turn into a flex play.
1: Um am one of the biggest things I'm going to hold against Denzel Mims is that he's going to be a rookie coming into this COVID season, it's limited time to learn the offense in the office in the off season. So I'm, I'm going to hold that against him. Uh, I I love a Jamison Crowder this season because of the familiarity with Sam Darnold, and they already have a good rapport. 122 targets for the guy last year, Uh, only 833 receiving yards out of that, with a 6.8 yards per target average. It's just that—that's not really that great. Middle of the pack for touchdowns. The other thing that I liked about. Jamison Crowder, is that was the guy that Darnold really seemed to look for in the end zone. 15 targets in the end zone for Jamison Crowder. But one of the biggest strikes against him, against that whole receiving core, 29th in the regular season, 31st in the playoffs for the strength schedule. Now that's going to change a little bit, guys, if the entire New England Patriot defense is going to sit out this season. And it's going to change a little bit if, who? what's his name, Jamal Adams? From the Jets, from the Jets, has left now. So all these receiving cores are going to get a little bit of an uptick.
2: I also just think there's no way of knowing who's going to be good on defense this year. It's such a strange year. And last year, I mean, you know, those projections will change. It's good to keep an eye on them from the start because we projected based off last year whose defenses should be good this year. But that's not. There's no guarantee. So keep an eye on it. And uh, maybe if there's a guy you really like who has a terrible strength of schedule stash him on the bench and make sure that the defenses that he was supposed to face are living up to their hype. But like you said, with everybody in such close contact, Wes, one person on a defense gets it. It's going to be difficult for all of them to not to, or at least a good number of them to not get it as well. And so before you know it, a defense can be down three, four, five starters.
1: They also have uh, Josh Doxon on that team, who always impressed us a little bit, I think, whenever he got to play for Washington. Uh, always uh, some high expectations for him. Never could live up to it. But just as the same, we would say that uh, maybe a wide receiver couldn't live up to the hype in Jacksonville. Maybe a wide receiver can't live up to the hype in Washington either, unless your name, of course, is scary, Terry. Uh Wide receivers. In the Dolphin organization, we've got two that everybody's talking about. Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. And they have a quarterback who likes to stand in the pocket like a statue and throw the ball far, who has a big arm. Who do you like better out of these two guys, Devontae Parker or Preston Williams? Tyler, I'm going to you first this
2: time. I think I have to go with Devontae Parker here just because I know Preston Williams didn't get all the opportunity last year, but that's kind of to be expected. Devontae Parker, though, had 1200 yards receiving last year. They both had a similar catch percentage. Devontae Parker only beat him out by 3%, which for someone who got that much more, that many more targets, double the targets pretty much. That's, that's not saying a whole lot, but, I mean, for someone who's already put up 1,200 yards and you're looking at potentially an upgrade in quarterback, say Tua actually comes out healthy and gets to play and actually lives up to that first-round hype immediately after that, that terrible hip injury, then you're looking at a guy who could exceed those numbers. I would like to see maybe a few more touchdowns out of him. I mean, nine touchdowns, that's good. You know, that's... Enough for a flex wide receiver, but if you're looking for someone who could really turn into a wide receiver too, you're looking towards that 1400, 1500 yards. I mean, that would be an exceptional season out of him. Maybe then getting into the double-digit touchdowns. I think the one I'm going with is Devonte Parker, and I'm always just more of a fan of the proven. Even though Preston Williams has tons of potential, and maybe with a better offense, he'll turn into a fantasy option.
1: I like where he's going in the draft a little bit better than Devontae Parker, too. And they both, it reminds me of a Gallup and a Cooper situation, you know, uh, where, where they both kind of look very similar on the stat pages. And so why not take Gallup at a better price in a better place in the draft that's going to produce just about the same amount of numbers? That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. What about you, Bobby? What do you think?
0: i like uh, Parker as well. Um. I think Preston Williams will have a better numbers this year, of course. I mean, just looking at his stats, he played half the amount of games, uh, 60 targets to 128. So if you just double, I mean, this is, say, roughly double that, so 120 targets, double the receptions, it's about the same. Yards are going to drop off a little bit. So 428, double that, going to be a little short of uh, – of 900, and so you're 300 yards short. Just simple math. I mean, of course, there could be some big catches there, but simple math. You'll drop off, um, but with the same amount of games, you're gonna you're gonna see an uptick, and there's ample opportunity with uh, playing on a not necessarily a last place team, but uh, a team that may lose a few games and um, is going to be passing a good bit, there's ample opportunity to, to be uh, fantasy relevant.
1: I said this last year, and I, I didn't say it just to ruffle y'all's feathers while games were going on. We always have a, a nice college football game day thread that goes on between us as friends. And I said that I didn't think Tua's game was going to be able to transition to the NFL that well. I don't know that it's going to be able to transition to the Miami Dolphins well at all. I know we're not talking about Tua right now, but we are talking about this wide receiving core, and I believe it puts an exclamation point on my point. When you look at the average depth per target, and it could change from year to year, Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to stand back there and hold the ball. The A dot for Parker and for Preston Williams is both about 14, right? Yards per reception, 16.7 and 13.4 per Preston Williams. That's deep. I'm not saying Tua can't throw the ball long and far. We've seen that. We saw one of the best throws ever made in the college championship game against Georgia a couple years ago. I still can't believe that throw whenever I watch it. But I thought he had the most success at Alabama when the ball came out of his hands fast and quick. Very accurate in the short passing game, in the medium passing game, accurate on the deep passing game too. But if I have a franchise quarterback that I just drafted, I don't want him standing back there like Ryan Fitzpatrick, waiting for the play to uh, come open, because that's when we saw Tua get hurt every year too, is whenever he, he tries to extend that play, and he just puts his body in a compromising position. I don't see anybody on this wide receiving staff that can help him. I hope that I hope that Tua can sit out a year, and uh, let us have one more year of Ryan Fitz magic with these Miami Dolphins receivers because I do think that Parker and Williams will both be able to succeed under that style of offense.
0: Um, I agree with you and Slightly disagree. Uh, of course, I am a Tua fan. Um, I am too, but I-, I would like to see him set out a year. But I don't know if he'll be able to. You know, if uh, Fitz Fitzpatrick can't play like Fitzmagic, you know, there's going to be you know when do we bring Tua into the game? He if if a coaching staff can. not can build a system around his style of play. I think he will be he will be fine. And that's I mean that goes for just about any quarterback. If if a co- coach will come in and and say this is what we want to do, I see your strengths and this is what we want to do. There's going to be more ample opportunity for success. And he is a very accurate thrower. Short, medium, long. You said he's very accurate. If if they can build an offensive line that can keep him clean most of the time, I believe that he will be enormously successful. And he has to learn when it's time to throw the ball away. That's the key. Instead of running and trying every every time to make something out of a play, just knowing okay. I can't make anything. Throw throw the ball out of bounds. get rid of it.
1: Something else that's weird. When you look at these wide receivers for the Dolphins and even the the tight end, we talked about their catch percentage, and there was there was really low catch percentages, right? I just I just thought maybe two was going to be a blessing in disguise for these Dolphins wide receivers. Maybe they're all left hand thrower catchers. Is there such a thing?
2: This isn't like baseball, right-handed batter, right-handed pitcher matchups. So I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're better know. at catching. Is that the thing? Right. You know what? You you throw that out there, Wes, and maybe you start keeping track of that. Maybe that becomes the. That's a new stat. Let yeah, me what get. Would you track like to call, call this phone. stat? Yeah, let me tweet this stat out. Oh, Go ahead, gosh. Tyler. I'm busy. I was gonna say. I actually kind of agree with you. On the Tua thing, of course, I'm rooting for Tua, even though everyone who listens to this and you tell them all that I'm an Auburn fan is going to be saying I'm obviously not. But I am. I'm rooting for Tua. I like Tua. I didn't like that he beat us a lot, but I like Tua, and I really do want to see him succeed, and I don't believe the Dolphins rebuild is done. And I think the main thing that was going to force Tua to play this year was the Dolphins' didn't want to listen to the crowd boos every single time after Ryan Fitzpatrick started leading them towards another losing season. Well, now this year, they're going to get plenty of angry tweets about it, but there's not going to be fans (laughs) there booing them. So at least maybe now they can just turn off their mentions for a little while and just glide through the season, take another losing season, have one more go with a high draft pick. Maybe find some the next up and coming guys on the offensive line, maybe find I don't know, maybe they won't be happy with their running backs. They've got two intriguing running backs, but maybe find another wide receiver, maybe find some defensive players. Take another year and really rebuild for make it a great rebuild instead of just a half done one. Because you I mean, with an injury like this, this is used to be a career ending injury that Tua had. And so by amazing medicine that we have now he's able to play this year but I'm interested to see how effective he is because that would be it would be awful for me to see someone with so much promise get rushed into the field in a season as seemingly meaningless as this one, one that potentially may not even finish
1: I think that that situation is going to take care of itself because once again Fitzpatrick he doesn't stay healthy the entire season so I think that there will be a a natural progression for two and a half to go into the game. I just we'll have to see how it how it plays out. So the biggest wide receiver acquisition and trade in the offseason was Stephon Diggs, of course, to the Buffalo Bills. And when I was putting this together, I couldn't believe what Stefan Diggs, some of his numbers were from last year. A 17.9 yard per reception average, a 12 uh, yard per target average—that's that, crazy stuff. His eight dot was fourteen point nine, and then when I got to John Brown's numbers, I went, "Holy cow! They're almost the same as Stephon Diggs." And what do you guys think? Who is the wide receiver to own? We have an average draft position of twenty seventh for the position for Stephon Diggs, sixty fourth overall, fifty second average draft position for John Brown at the wide receiver slot. And 119th overall, is there going to be that big of a difference at the end of the season in their fantasy numbers?
0: Uh that's a, that's a really good question because we we just don't know how how you're going to uh, to play with this offense. Um, last year it was it wasn't necessarily a passing offense; it was more uh, uh, running. Um, I mean, it wasn't necessarily with the running backs, but Josh Allen's got some wheels. So are they going to limit him in his in his running or what are they going to do with 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 this new weapon on offense?
1: Well, and you bring up a great point, because was it Josh Allen that didn't allow John Brown to get higher than Stefan Diggs in those fantasy numbers and is. Josh Allen gonna actually bring down Stephon Diggs numbers. I, I've been thinking about this, Bobby. It's been driving me crazy.
0: Yeah, and, and we also gotta think if if there's not necessarily receptions to go around, who gets the, the biggest part of them? And you would think it would, would be Diggs. Diggs, I think, is by far the the most more talented receiver. Mm-hmm. He's younger. Um, he's got more of a, you know, of of a various style game to him. It's not just a, uh, take the top off the defense or speed, uh, game like John Brown's is. And is if, if Josh Allen is a more accurate, better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, does his, even if targets go down, does his receptions number go up?
1: Well, Josh Allen is not a more accurate quarterback than Kirk Cousins is. I, I'll guarantee you
0: that. Well, oh, I don't know, I mean, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is very accurate. So, I mean, they could both be horribly accurate. But the the jokes were plenty on Cousins and yeah, um, company up there. So, yeah, just questions,
2: question marks everywhere.
1: Right. What about you, Tyler? Which one's the wide receiver to own for you?
2: I think if you're factoring in the ADP, it's John Brown. If you're talking about a straight-up one-on-one receiver, I'm probably going to take Stephon Diggs just because you know what he can do. But at, at the ADP, I'm not trusting Josh Allen. Josh Allen, to me, he's been a guy who's kind of—and he's good. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and preface that with he's a good quarterback. You have to be a good quarterback to make it to the NFL. Sure. But he's a guy who's kind of been kept afloat by what everyone thinks he could be. You know, remember when he was going through the combine, they were like, oh, look how tall he is and how big his hands are and how far he can throw the ball. and He's got all the tools of a prototypical quarterback, but he didn't really win at Wyoming. Now, Wyoming's a smaller program, but still, you'd like to see somebody who knows the game, decision-making, uh, schemes. Stuff that all factors into winning the game, not just how far he can throw the ball. And I've still kind of thought about the same thing while he's here in the pros. To me, he's just kind of been that guy that he's he's good, he can he can get the job done, but he's not turning into that elite quarterback because everyone just said he could throw the ball so far, and you know he has such great arm strength and all those things. I'm just not 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 trust against, so I'm not expecting Stefan Diggs to suddenly move here from Kirk Cousins and become yeah. wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I think if I'm picking a Buffalo Bills receiver, I'm going with the cheaper ADP of John Brown, because in some leagues, John Brown is a stream, and so if they're, you're telling me that Stefan Diggs is going to be that much higher than John Brown, I'm just not buying it.
1: I'll tell you, one of those draft strategies I've tried in a couple of mock drafts, uh, you know, in about 20 mock drafts, you guys know how I am, is going heavy running back at the start of the drafts and then letting my first wide receiver be Stephon Diggs. You know, he's going 64th overall, so you got him right there in that fourth and fourth, fifth round, something like that. But I never get him because somebody always grabs him. And that irritates the stew out of me. So if you're the person, if you're guilty of doing that, I just want you to know you may be very angry. But the one thing that makes me happy is that I know something you don't know, probably, is that the strength of schedule for the Buffalo Bills, 32nd in the regular season, 28th in the playoffs. So the joke is on you, Jack, because they will not produce as well as you think they will. And I think that actually the wide receiver to own, can I tell you this? The wide receiver to own. Uh, I've, don't, keep in mind, if, if Stefano Diggs is there in the fifth round or going into the fifth round, I'm taking him. If John Brown mm-hmm. is there uh, over uh, Nikhil Harry, I'm, I'm taking John Brown because they go around the same time. Anthony Miller, I might take before a John Brown. Uh, a Preston Williams, I might take before a John Brown. But John Brown's uh, there on my draft board around that 119th mark. Cole Beasley, don't sleep on Cole Beasley. Thirty-fifth at the wide receiver position last season, a hundred and six targets last year. He was the tight end in that system last season. Sixty-seven receptions, six touchdowns, tied for twenty-fourth in the league. So many people are tied for twenty-fourth in the league with six touchdowns. Cole Beasley is that little guy, maybe the Julian Edelman of the Buffalo Bills, and he's being. You know where he's being drafted, fellas. I don't know because I don't scroll that many times when I'm trying to put these sheets together. <laughs> I could never find them. I could never find them where he's being drafted. So he is really a cheap person. Uh, if you need a wide receiver, I'm not saying go out and target him necessarily. But if you're in a deeper draft or a best ball league, maybe that's maybe that's somebody to take a flyer on. All right. So we've talked. We've we've even sprinkled in some quarterbacks. I don't know if we're going to talk more about quarterbacks next show or not but we do still have to try and tackle some wide receivers. We do still have to tackle some running backs on the next show for sure. And I would like to actually see that. Tyler, I know you're an old football player. Bobby, I know you're a football player too, but you were a lineman. I don't think that you could tackle many of these running backs nowadays. Maybe Frank Gore, because Frank Gore is still in this division. And I would like to see you and
0: Frank Gore race, Bobby, since you always think that you could beat me. Uh, I, I, I'm a little bit older than he is. and and not in shape, so I might be I might be able to uh, be close, but I, I doubt I'd be him. Right
1: you can find Bobby at Foster Fantasy on Twitter. You can find Tyler at T.A. Cambro. I got that one right, Tyler? You did. At T.A. Cambro. Follow him. Everybody, please follow him, so then he has to follow you back. <laughs> I keep looking for Tyler to be active on Twitter. One of these days, he will. Uh, but we thank you so much for listening to this version of Fantasy Impact today with the Fit Crew. And we want to remind you, follow us on Twitter, at fi today with a little underscore. Also, email the show FantasyImpactToday at com. Visit the website, FantasyImpactToday.com. And also, we want to encourage you, leave a review, leave some stars, Do those things that you can do on the platform to be able to help our name get known so other people can want to listen to us. They'll be like, hey, look at those guys. They're moving up the board. And then then they get to see the little fit emblem and they'll they'll want a little T-shirt because we're going to have some fit gear coming out really soon. And so we want to encourage you guys to visit all those things to be able to get to know us a little bit better. As always here at Fantasy Impact Today, we want to encourage you to go out and make a positive impact in your world today.